The PBS NewsHour podcast is supported in part by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. What if we could block a protein to stop runaway cell division? Dana-Farber Cancer Institute laid the foundation for CDK4-6 inhibitors, drugs designed to treat many advanced breast cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. As Lisa reported, a government shutdown appears to be averted for now. Earlier today, I spoke with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, and I asked her for her response to the news. Well, I'm pleased with the news. Um, I think the shutting down the government at this point would be um, extremely disruptive. It would deprive uh, the American public of services that they rely on day in and day out. And our economy is doing so well um, with low unemployment, inflation coming down, strong growth, that um, it's really important to avoid a needless, um, needless threat to our economic prospects. As you know, there are more funding deadlines ahead, though, and it seems like the threat of a shutdown has now become part of the process. Are you worried that that continually coming close to the brink of a shutdown, as we seem to be, is having a long-term damaging effect on the American economy? Well, I, it, is, it is disturbing. We also lived through an episode where uh, the willingness of Congress to raise the debt ceiling was in doubt. And I think it is important to investors around the world to know that we have a well-functioning government. So um, my hope is that Congress will pass uh, a series of appropriation bills and also provide Ukraine with the money that they so desperately need. Let me ask you about some of the strong economic indicators we do see right now in the U.S. Unemployment is at its lowest levels in about 50 years. Inflation has been coming down, is now around 3 percent. The U.S. economy has been outperforming many others. But still, as you know, Americans are still down on the economy. Consumer, consumer confidence fell again in February. How do you view that pessimism among Americans right now? What do you think is behind that? Well, Americans lived through a lot. Um, the pandemic had very significant and lasting impacts, I think, on their lifestyles and attitudes. Importantly, although inflation has come way down, some prices that are important to so many Americans, like uh, the cost of rent um, or, um, in, you know, in the, co the cost of electricity, food, they're higher than, uh, those costs are higher than they were before the pandemic. And now wages are rising more rapidly than prices, so Americans are getting ahead. But nevertheless, people remember that prices were lower, and we're trying to do everything we can to bring down health care costs and um, other costs that are definite strains on Americans' budgets. We should mention you are at the G20 summit. You're meeting with a number of officials from around the world. And, of course, support for Ukraine is high on the agenda. We know the White House is struggling to get Ukraine aid through Republican resistance in Congress right now. And this week you suggested something we hadn't heard before, which was unfreezing about $300 billion of assets from the Russian Central Bank and getting that money to Ukraine. 
Does that speak to your doubt in America's ability to move more aid through Congress for Ukraine? Well, it's critically important that Congress uh, approve the aid that we've requested to Ukraine. And no action concerning these sovereign assets can substitute for that. And I can't overemphasize the importance, the urgency that attaches to the House uh, passing the uh, Ukraine package that the Senate passed. With respect to the Russian assets, we're looking at options. Um, taking the Russian assets um, is that's, that's only one possible strategy. We're looking at a number of different strategies by which we could leverage those assets for Ukraine's benefit. And I think what that would say to Putin is, I think Putin maybe feels that he can outlast us, that our will is faltering when it comes to supporting Ukraine. And if we can use these assets to provide a stream of uh, financing for Ukraine, uh, I think it says to Putin that we're in this for the long haul and not about to fold. If I may, Madam Secretary, based on what you've seen back here in the United States unfolding in Congress and the fact that we are in an election year uh, and Republicans seem largely resistant to push more Ukraine aid through, are you confident that the U.S. will approve more aid for Ukraine? We're certainly making the case as strongly as we possibly can. And what we saw is that in the Senate, there was strong bipartisan support for aid to Ukraine. I believe exactly the same thing is true in the House, but um, we have a problem that this speaker has been unwilling to allow this to come up for a vote, but we need to find a way to have that enacted through the House. I strongly urge uh, the House to pass this bill. As you speak with officials from around the world there, what are they telling you about how they're watching congressional gridlock here in the U.S., the upcoming presidential election. What do they tell you about their worries or concerns? Well, I can see that they are very concerned. Um, we've banded together uh, as a coalition to provide uh, support to Ukraine right from the moment the invasion occurred. But they can't fill the hole that would be left, both in terms of military equipment and financial support if we don't do our share. And I've emphasized the president's commitment, my commitment to do everything conceivable um, to, to get Congress to provide this aid. Um, strongly believe that it's in the national interest. And um, without it, we expect Ukraine will make further losses and fall further behind. That is the United States Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen joining us tonight. Madam Secretary, thank you so much for making the time to speak with us. Always a pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure.